Thanks for joining us today. At City Life, we have one purpose, making it easy for people to say yes to Jesus. We believe today's message will empower you to do exactly that. But remember that church is so much more than a sermon you listen to. It's a living, breathing community that we invite you to be a part of. We hope to see you on a Sunday morning at City Life. We're gonna do something we, this little bit different twist than what we have done before when we have had our shotgun or what we call our Relay Sunday. Today, we're having five for five. We have five of our awesome team who are gonna bring a God thought to you today. They have five minutes and you are going to cheer them on online. If you are watching, you can give a thumbs up to the team as they're speaking because they love to be encouraged. But we have Samara and we have Michelle Holland, Spencer Lindo. Look at the Spencer in his white shirt, shoes there. We have Hedy Lee and Ben Darwin, who's also got white shoes on. It's the white shoe morning. Anyway, I, you know what? This is going to be so good. These guys are going to bring it and online you're going to, oh, it's going to be so good. Samara, you're going to start a show. Let's give it to you. Oh, I need to explain. They got five minutes and there is going to be a buzzer. They're going to have the countdown clock when they start speaking. And then I think it's the Jeopardy. Do, 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 do. So they're going to stop on the clock. So they might be halfway, but you're going to cheer when they're done. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. You're going to go for it. Hello. Good morning. My name is Samara. The team, I serve on the youth team, I serve on worship, and I serve in our production team, which is all things tech. And so I just want to start by telling a little story. So when I was in my third year Bible college, some friends and I had spontaneously decided to go and get some tattoos, and I had ended up getting this, there's a little Hebrew word, it's kind of hidden by my sleeve, but it says Elohim, and it is the first word used to describe who God is in the Bible. In Genesis 1-1, where it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, the word that they use for God is Elohim. And so at the time, it was to serve a reminder that God is in control of everything, and he created the universe, and I didn't, because I have control issues, and I like to be in control of things. And so after I got this tattoo, like not even a week later, I ended up going through a season where I felt like God was asking me to surrender all my dreams down to him and I didn't want to. And so almost two years later, I have found myself in a very similar position. And about a month and a half ago, I was driving into work one morning and I felt like God was asking me, do you trust me enough to surrender every single dream, desire and plan that you have for your life over to me? And I sat there and I said, no, I don't. And so a couple of weeks ago, I was spending some time in the backyard and I was journaling and I wrote, God, how can I trust you? And it wasn't this question where I needed God to try and prove himself to me, but it was a question where I needed God to show me how to trust him because I didn't know how to do it. And so these are some things that he's been teaching me over the last couple months. And it's these things called altars, which is a great word that they use in the Old Testament. If you've read through the Old Testament, they're always building altars and sacrificing things. And altars were a place where animals were slaughtered or sacrificed so that God would meet and communicate with his people. Now, because of Jesus' death on the cross and everything that he did for us, we don't need to slaughter animals but there is a metaphorical death that we need to go through if we wanna be apprentices of Jesus. And so this metaphorical death is through sacrificing our dreams, our plans, and our desires over to him. 
And so I have created a three-step process that I like to call sacrifice for dummies. Because sometimes I feel like a dummy because he's always telling me stuff. And so step number one is to build an altar. And we don't need to build physical tables and physical altars, but we do need to build a spiritual place where we can lay out our dreams, our thoughts, our desires, and our plans for God to move. And so things like a consistent prayer life or a devotional life or practicing in Sabbath or participating in doing silence and solitude activities, all of these rules of life that we have been talking about over the last few months are great ways ways that we can build out altars to lay things for God. And in Psalm 5 verse 3 in the Passion Translation, it says, at each and every sunrise, you will hear my voice as I prepare my sacrifice of prayer to you. Every morning, I lay out the pieces of my life on the altar and I wait for your fire to fall upon my heart. So we prepare the altar through prayer, devotion, Sabbath, so that we can do step number two, which I like to call the hard part, and that is called laying it down. I've told myself, I'm really good at surrendering things to God, but I've realized I'm only good at it because I think he's gonna give it back to me as a reward for laying it down on the altar. And the thing about sacrifice is that we need to lay down our dreams, our desires, and our plans, and we can't expect God to give it back to us. And the thing about God is that he isn't a cruel God that he would taunt us and mock us with our desires. And he doesn't hold things at just the right distance so that we can never grasp it. He doesn't tease us and he doesn't give his love in half measures. If he's asking you to lay something down, it's because he wants to consume it, which takes us into step number three that I call the consumption or the holy fire. When we lay things down on the altar, we don't just lay it so that it can lay limp and it just stays there and that's it, but we lay it on the altar so that God can consume it with his holy fire. The altar is a place where our bitterness, our rage, our lust, our anger, our selfishness, all of those things that we hate about ourselves, it's a place where they can be consumed by God. And when things are consumed by God, anything that is not of God gets burned into a pile of ashes. The fire that he has consumes is good. And so when God asks us to surrender something, it's not because he wants to take things from us, but it's because he wants to have his good way in our life and he can't have his good way if we have our way. And so I just want to wrap up with Psalm 73, verse 28 in the voice, and it says, But the closer I am to you, my God, the better, because life with you is good. And so I just want to remind you that life with God is good, for even his good is infinitely better than anything we can dream or desire. If he's asking you to sacrifice something on the altar, it's because he wants to have the better that we could never imagine. And that's it. I think they give us a microphone because I don't know what we do with our hands otherwise. <laughs> uh, my name is Spencer. If you don't meet, know me, I was playing guitar over there a second ago. So I serve on the worship team, obviously, as you can tell. Yeah. Uh, I graduated high school this year and I'm off to, well, I'm starting university from home at my computer in the fall in about a week and a half. It looks like they've started my time, so I only got five minutes. So I'm here today to talk about the future which is definitely something that I've been like confused about, you know? Us, I like to think I could plan out my entire life. If I could like see what my life looked like for the next five years, I think that would be probably what I'd want to do, you know? If I could just plan every part of it, but I, I know that can't happen. So anyway, so yeah, I feel like a lot, of, a lot of young people worry about the future. So I thought I would look into what God says about our future. Yeah, so. 
And the best way I know how to do that is to look at scripture. I'm a scripture guy. We, we, us young people do still have physical Bibles. We don't, you see, yeah. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to read from John. I'll set the scene first. So Jesus just told all his disciples that he's going, he's got to leave. He's got to go back up to heaven, right? He tells them things like, in a little while, you won't see me, but then you will see me. And he says he's going to the Father. Disciples are awfully confused, right? <laughs> so in John 16, 28, Jesus, he says, Yes, I came from the Father into the world, and now I will leave the world and return to the Father. And I love this part, because then the disciples are like, at last you are speaking plainly and not figuratively. <laughs> now we understand that you know everything, and there is no need to question you, right? From this we believe that you came from God, which obviously they're um, very relieved that finally, because they've been very confused by how Jesus has talked to them in parables and metaphors up to this point. So Jesus asks them, do you finally believe... <laughs> He's like, you finally got a grasp on what I'm trying to say, right? So he says, but the time is coming, indeed it's here now, that when you will be scattered, each one going his own way, leaving me alone. And I read that at first and I was like, oh, that's kind of a disheartening verse almost, that they're all scouting around. But I went and looked in a different translation. In the voice, it says that they are spread like seeds, scattered like seeds, which is like, yeah, no, it's, it's really good because then it, show, it shows a little bit of the purpose, more than just getting scattered apart. They're there to, yeah, to go be seeds and plant for, yeah. And then it, um, he says, yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Yeah, and that's still Jesus talking, which kind of blew me away because Jesus is almost needing to, like, say that he needs the Father too. Like, he's still, he's still a man, right? So yeah, it's kind of like he's helping the disciples relate with them. And then I love this part because this is, this is the future part. This is the verse I base this whole thing on. So he says, here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I've overcome the world. There's, there's your memory verse. <laughs> so I, was, I read that for the first time and I was like, what does take heart mean? What does it mean to take heart? I didn't know what it meant. So I looked it up and it said it means to be encouraged. So we're to be encouraged because Jesus had overcome the world. Yeah. And like, it's almost, it's almost even more than that. Like, it's not just to be encouraged, but it's to be encouraged from something. And I think, yeah. So I guess, yeah, if we're talking about like continuing the future, I guess it's like I've been like trying really hard to take courage from that and be confident that my future has, yeah, that it's in... Jesus' hands, and that's kind of kind of what we got to do. You know, as, as young people, we're kind of told a lot, like, I mean, I feel like I've definitely felt the pressure in the last year to, like, get told what we're doing. This is, you guys need to plan your future. You need to know what you're going to look like. What are you going to do when you grow up? What are you going to be? And I think that we don't need to know. I don't need to know. God knows. I don't need to know. I, I can have an outline for how I think it's going to go, but I have a good feeling that it's going to go in some other sort of direction. Yeah, well, I don't know. I got 40 seconds left. I should have probably timed this a little better. I thought I was pretty close. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so no, that's, that's kind of it. Yeah, but this verse, yeah, makes me think that maybe I can just sit back and have a little peace in the fact and not worry about, I can kind of push away all the people who are saying that I need to have a definitive plan for what my next five years is going to look like. Even though I'd like to see it, I can, I can trust that, that my life's in good hands. 
Good morning. My name is Michelle. Um, if I don't know you, I hope to meet you soon. So if you're anything like me, uh, lately your thoughts have been potentially anchored in fear or uncertainty specifically surrounding back to school. Um, I'm a junior high teacher. And just let me tell you that we're all in this together. So whether you're a teenager starting at a brand new school or online, um, whether you're a teacher teaching in person or online, or maybe you're a parent learning how to homeschool for the first time, or anybody in the school system, I see you because we're all in this together. So simply put, I've generally just been really, really afraid of the unknowns of this year. There's been a lot of strong thoughts in my mind throughout this summer. Um, some of them have been, how am I supposed to build relationships with students when they can't even see me smile because of wearing masks? Um, when are we gonna get shut down again because of a potential outbreak? How am I supposed to keep all my students safe? Um, how am I supposed to keep myself safe? Am I going to be able to visit my grandma in her palliative care facility? So while I believe these are all valid concerns, they've been taking up way too much space in my head. Um, something that I wanna do is really change my mindset from one of fear and uncertainty so, to one of faith and hope. So there's this quote by Pastor Craig Groeschel, and I heard it a few years ago. I heard it again recently as I'm trying to figure out my mind surrounding COVID. And he said that your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. So I know that I will drive myself into a depression. I will let anxiety run rampant, and I will push myself away from God if I continue to focus on these negative thoughts and these what-ifs surrounding back to school. Um, I, can, I could resent my career and the thing that I'm passionate about if I choose to change my mindset. So I want to prevent that from happening, and it has been working um, based um, off of a lot of hard work. So I went into work this Friday, um, to start some planning about relationship building activities and get to know you things and we have a brand new principal at our school And she said to me. Oh, hey, I'm glad you're here I was gonna call you today come into my office and I was like, oh No, because you know when you got called into the boss's office, you know, no matter how awesome they are It's always absolutely terrifying um, So I go in I sit down my heart's pounding and I'm starting to freak out and she told me the news that my teaching assignment is completely changing um, four days before COVID teaching. Um, so it was a little terrifying, but I realized almost instantly, and I'm shocked about it still, that my initial thoughts were ones of, I am ecstatic about being in this position. So I get the opportunity to work with some of the most vulnerable kids in our school. Um, kids with autism, kids with various cognitive disabilities, kids who are learning English, and it's in smaller groups. And I'm so looking forward to it. Um, it's going to be a challenge. It might be my hardest year of teaching ever, probably. Um, but the cool thing is, is that I get to focus my attention on this small group of kids and loving them and reflecting God as I interact with them every day. So over the past few days, the last couple, well, really just a couple of days, um, I find myself hopeful and excited about the return to my classroom. It's a different room, so that's fun, but whatever. Um, I've been able to live by Paul's words of encouragement in Philippians 4.8. Um, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. 
So here are a few things that I know are worthy of praise. Kids will be excited to return to school and will be happy to see me. My colleagues are some of the most talented people that I know. I will build relationships with my students, it'll happen. Um, I am a caring, loving member of my school community. Um, I can make a difference. <laughs> Uh, I'm a child of God and I can really do everything because he's given me the strength to do so. And lastly, there may be cases of COVID at school, but I can only do what I can do given the protocol and then the rest is really up to God and I have to trust that he's going to lead us through. So I've worked really hard to replace my thoughts of fear of the unknown with thoughts that are lovely and admirable. And I've just been best doing my best to follow, again, Paul's encouragement a little earlier in Philippians 4, 6. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. So no matter what happens, um, I am praying for everyone involved in the school system. And I am praying that we're all going to get through this together. Good morning. Hi. My name is Hedley, and I am incredibly nervous. Um, in fact, when I got the text message from Monica asking me if I would do this, I slammed my phone down, said, hard no. Um, that's too hard. And then I remembered this picture. I don't know if it's up here. Um, there's this picture of um, little Vienna Darwin um, that Ben posted a little while ago. And um, in this picture, Vienna is, um, is it up there? Oh, there we go. Little BB. This is a shameless use of the cutest kid ever, just to get you to be okay with this. Um, so she is looking up, and she's reaching out, and she's moving forward. And although there's only three, almost four kids that get to say Darwin's do hard things, we're all God's kids. Yeah. And God's kids can do hard things. Yeah. When we look up, when we reach out, and when we keep moving. And there are three of God's kids in the Bible that I read this. Um, and the first one was in Matthew 14. Um, Jesus had been teaching all day, and he was tired and he wanted to spend some time with God, so he sent his disciples across to the other shore to meet him there. And while the disciples are in the boat, a storm kicks up. And the disciples are a little bit worried, and then Jesus comes walking across the water. Walking on water is hard. Um, but Peter hops out of the boat, looking at his Lord, and walks towards him on water. He did a hard thing, keeping his eyes up, looking up. God's kids can do hard things when we look up. And then um, in the book of Esther, we read about Queen Esther. She gets a whole book to herself. Um, and she had to do a really hard thing. She had to navigate some really stormy political things to save her people. But God's kids could do hard things when we reach out. So although her people had to be distanced from her, um, she asked them to, she reached out to them and asked them to fast and pray with her so that she could risk her life doubly by going to the king unsummoned and beg for her people's lives. And she did that. God's kids can do hard things when we reach out. And then there was Noah, all the way back in Genesis. And he was asked to do a very hard thing. He was asked to build a boat, but not just the boat, an ark. And it was 
super far away from any kind of water. There wasn't storms looming. He had to really keep going through so much resistance and ridicule. And year after year, he had to do this and just keep going. But God's kids can do hard things when we keep going. And his family's deliverance was at the end of his obedience because he kept going. God's kids can do hard things. We're going into or we're in things, a season now, where we're all asked to do hard things all the time. But God's kids can do hard things. When we look up like Peter, God's kids can do hard things. When we reach out like Esther. And God's kids can do hard things when we keep going like Noah. We're all God's kids and we can keep going. We can do hard things. You get a minute, Ben. I didn't, I didn't expect you to end early. Okay. Um, hi, my name is Ben, um, and uh, I, everyone was talking about how they serve. I just serve in the cracks. Wherever things need to go, I go. So, um, but uh, I wanted to, I was a little nervous to talk today. Um, when, uh, when I got the text, I was like, no, and my wife was like, yes, and I was like, okay. <laughs> Some of you men know what I'm talking about. Um, and so I'm not really a notes guy, but I took notes, and I felt like God wanted me to talk to the men today in the church, and um, that's always scary. Um, but this, this is coming from, I call it reflections from a man during COVID, and, uh, and God's been doing a lot of work on me, and I'm very grateful for that, um, but I love this verse. It's, uh, there's a great passage in the Bible where David's commissioning Solomon. David's on his deathbed, and he's saying, hey, this is how you should go. And uh, it's about, he says, you know, be strong and show yourself a man. And so I was thinking about a lot of the components of, or, or the characteristics, the attributes of what a man is, or a godly man, I should say. There's a difference between a male and a man. And um, I hope you're okay with a little bit of a challenge, because I feel like I need to talk straight, because I only have five minutes. So here's the first thing. Um, men do manly things. And uh, you know who a man is, and what he believes by what he does. And uh, the manliest thing that we can do as men is do. And if we don't do, we're in a lot of do-do. And so <laughs> I just say, you know, but not, not just to say things, but it says show. Show yourself a man. And, uh, and God's been showing me a lot of stuff. I resonated with Melissa's message, that, you know, I, a couple of weeks ago we were chatting before church, and I was like, oh, man, that's me. Like, he's like, hey, what, what about that over there? And I'm like, oh, it doesn't matter. I don't have time to look at that. He's like, you don't have time. You got time. We're in a season where you got time. You got time. Time's not an excuse anymore. And, uh, and so, um, it, and it's not about who I want to be. It's who I'm called to be. That's, that's my filter now. It's not who I want to be. It's about who I'm called to be. So males talk, men walk. Daily they build discipline and virtues into their life. If you, have, if you know what those are, look in, look in uh, 2 Peter uh, in the first chapter. There's a list there of what we should be adding to our lives as men. Males know of God, men know God. It's the biggest challenge in my life today is do I actually know him? Um, do I know him? Side note, ladies, um, have you ever wondered why men uh, love things that like explode, bang, yell, clash, collide? Yeah, have you ever wondered that? Some of you are like, yes. I'm like, well, it's God's fault. <laughs> he done it. He started it. I mean, you have like nothing. And then you have this point, and all of a sudden, boom, 
and it goes, whoosh. I don't know if you know how the universe is working right now. Uh, I better not move outside the camera screen here. Um, and then there's all these things that are colliding and crashing and banging and exploding. There's still stuff coming at us from millions of years ago, you know? He did it. Um, and I think that's why there's that, that part of us that wants that grit and that grind and those things to explode and collide. And, uh, you know, there's big balls of burning gas and all this stuff. Like, it's hilarious. When I look at it, I'm like, he totally put that in us. Um, things got really out of hand, I think, when, God, he, when he started all of that. Let's just call it beautiful, chaotic order. Right? Beautiful, chaotic order. And, you know what, ladies? Some of your husband's DIY projects look like that in the backyard, right? It's like he's building a shed. Oh, no, wait, it's a deck. Oh, nope, it's a boat, Noah. Whoa, no. And you finally see it, you're like, it's a wooden dragon. Why do we have a wooden dragon in our backyard? I don't know. Anyways, let me keep going here. But uh, I, uh, I was thinking about men as well, and men do what's right, males do what feels right. And this is a really touchy subject in our, in our society today. But um, feeling right is much easier than being right. And it's often just as convincing. It takes a lot of work to actually be right. And um, I don't know, how have you been in this season as a man? Have you grown? Have you given into dopamine-rich activities? There's a whole list of them. You know, if we have the time to change, but we're not changing, then what's going on? And I thought, you know what? It's a connection issue. It's my heart issue. And maybe I've lost touch with the basics. I think we did a whole series on things like, I can't remember, things like, like solitude and silence. And do you remember all of that? Yeah. I was like, okay. Are we actually doing it? And it's sad to me that a lot of men don't crack their Bibles or pray on a regular basis. I so desire stronger men in a church who experience more than just defeat. Some of us are numb to the fight. We're drugged by fear. And guess what? Our church needs us. Our family needs us. Our nation needs us right now. Um... And uh, some people would say, well, Ben, it's hard. I'm like, did you just listen to Hedley's message? <laughs> the reward's great, guys. That's why it's hard. Last thing in my last minute. Here you go. Rapid fire. Men are faithful to their field. Men tend the field that they've been given in the season that they've been given it. We've all been given a certain thing to tend to right now. Um, it's about responsibility. Maybe your, your field is... You know, a rusty old Camry flipping burgers on the weekend. But that's your field. Tend to it. Gain responsibility. Why? Because faithfulness um, now leads to great things in the future. Faithfulness now is the key to increase later. So guard and nurture what you're assigned to. Um, men don't need other fields. Oh, sorry. Okay. We did it. There you go. Man, your territory. Trust God. Keep going. Here we go. I think I well saw the done. wrong timer. Can we give them all? You guys can go ahead and go on up. Can we give them another hand online? Give them the thumbs up. Cheers. Confetti, whatever you want to give. Man, what a powerful, powerful. Boom, 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 boom. And they all connect. There is a connection. And you know what? We need to sacrifice. What are you willing to sacrifice? God is asking 
you, maybe for the first time, maybe you're watching online and you're like, what in the world was that? <laughs> and maybe in the room for the first time, you're like, what was, you know, what was all that about? And you know, you know, the greatest sacrifice was paid for us. And God just simply asks us to give it, our life back to him is what he asks because we can trust him with it. Man, I love what Spencer, what you said was so good. I might have the outline, but I don't really need to know. Man, what a brave statement. I don't need to know all the ins and outs. And you know what, Michelle, I just love that. Just that this is where I'm changing my thoughts. I'm redirecting. You can just hear the confidence coming through. And you know, when you know Jesus, there is a confidence that comes. She doesn't just get those happy thoughts because she's a great person and she's a teacher and she knows how to look up the right kind of things. But, but there is, there is, I know one thing about Michelle is she has anchored herself in Jesus and there is the same kind of peace that you can have. There is that same kind of confidence that you can have. Every single one of these, God's kids reach out. I love that we can do hard things. No, you as a human cannot do hard things. And even if you're watching and you've been really, it's been like being holed up at home for a long time and you're like, I can't do hard things. You're right, you can't. That's why we need the life of the one who went through the hardest thing ever and that was taking the weight and the sin of the world on him. All of our weakness, all of our failings, all of our, you know, the areas, the cracks in our life. And you know what I love? Ben, that was just so good. I just serve where there's cracks. It was exactly what Jesus did. He was a great big, I won't say crack filler, because it's so much bigger than that. But he was the gap filler. And he doesn't just come in and add to our life. He wants to come in and completely take over. Because what he's got is so much better than what we could build and manufacture on our own. See, man, Jesus is the one who will make change you from a male to a man. Girls, he's the one who will change you from just being a girl into a woman of God, into a child of God. I want to invite us to stand. I want to invite online. You know what? Maybe if you're by yourself watching, you know what? There's something about, you know, just paying attention. Don't skip and think we're done now. But I want you to just take a moment. Just close your eyes. And maybe you even want to stand. There's something about just kind of getting out of that cozy seat of your sitting in the bed or couch with your jammas on or wherever you're at, but I want you to just take a moment. Can we all close our eyes? Those in the room and those watching online, and I want us to quiet ourselves because we're going to pray a prayer together. There is This isn't a magic formula, but it is giving expression. It's speaking out words that will begin to change the way we think about who we are and about who God is and where we fit in His story. And I know this is one of the things you want to begin to change the way you perceive life. You want to begin to change the way you respond to the curveballs and whatever else comes. You know what? It starts with changing the way we think about who we are and about who God is. And it starts with these words, Jesus, I choose to follow you. And so if you've never made the decision to really trust God with your everything, Trust God with your future. Trust God with you. Know, trust God with all that you are and trust your entire life over to him and put it on that altar. Today could be an altar-making day for you. And how do I put my life on an altar? Well, it starts with words like this. Can we all pray together? And this is a way that we can make that commitment of putting my life on the altar. I'm going to follow you, Jesus. 
I'm going to trust you with my life. Can we pray together? Say, Jesus, I thank you for all that you have done and made possible for me. And I say yes to stopping living my own way. And I say yes to starting to follow you your way. Jesus, thank you for a new start today. I love you. I trust you with my now, and I trust you with my future. Thank you for a new start. Amen. We hope today's message encouraged you. If you want to take your next step in saying yes to Jesus, you can always contact us at cty.lc or fill out the next step section on the City Life app. It's an honor as a church to play just a small part in what God is doing in your life. We look forward to seeing you soon here at City Life.